Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Last week we ended on a cliffhanger. I this forgot. This week we pick up with where Hunter left off. I'm so, gonna take, uh, I'm going to take you off the speaker. All right, yeah. Well, where did I leave off? I forgot. Immigrants. We get the job done. Not yet. The intro song. We're singing along, drinking beer, and talking about politics. Uh, Henry and Hops. Politics and beer. Adventures and thoughts for your ear holes to hear. So let's have a brew, maybe just three or two, perchance discover new shit that we never knew. So come along. That's the end of our song. Yeah. Oh, that actually is the end of... That's it. We just talk culture and shit. So, uh, what's going on with, uh, beer recently? Have any good beers? Yeah, um, the newest, uh, Enjoy, or Enjoy By came out, and it's unfiltered. The first time I've gotten my hands on that. So, just, like, a little bit of a fresher hop taste. That's nice. Um, always good to see that in stores. Uh, Enjoy By 12, 25, 16 this time. They usually do a Christmas one. Um, but right now I'm actually drinking a beer. I'm about to drink a beer from a newer Sacramento brewery called Track 7. Really good stuff, solid stuff. I got a uh, double IPA. Uh, it's actually was bought, was canned rather on November 22nd. So super fresh, super fresh. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> I, uh, I today am drinking a Pennsylvania tuxedo brewed by Dogfish Head and Woolrich. Well, you know Woolrich, the clothing company? Of course. Well, they make, you know, wool products primarily. But yeah, they're a, uh, I believe they're a Pennsylvania brand, right? Yeah. And, or New yeah, York. And no, it's in they, New York. I think they're in New York. Sorry. No, they're, no, nope. Woolrich, Pennsylvania, according to this. Oh, yeah. Nope. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Pennsylvania Tuxedo, a pale ale brewed with Pennsylvania spruce tips. So this is, rather than a hoppy, uh, I mean, there, there probably is some uh, pine hops in there, but rather than just having pine hops, there's actual pine or spruce, in this case, in this beer. Very cool. Um, you know what's funny? At my beer shop just today, when I was picking this beauty up, I had a conversation with my... I wouldn't call him a friend yet, but uh, my homie who works at the uh, beer shop, Kennard, about this very beer. And I was saying that if I was still in PA, because as you know, I lived in Philadelphia for a few years, I would have probably bought it several times over just for the novelty. And you were right. Uh, Woolrich is from Woolrich, Pennsylvania. Good job. Um, But I haven't tried it. So consensus, please. I gotta be honest. I think it's a hotel, man. Really? It's really good. Wow. Yeah, it's well. I mean, they, it's. I mean, they do. They do hoppy ales very well at Dogfish Head, and I think this is no exception. Like seventy-five or like ninety minutes. I mean, it's an eight point five percent hoppy pale, pale, pale ale. ale. Yeah, yeah. It, so tastes, it tastes very. It tastes very IPA. I don't know if that's just the spruce tips. I have a feeling there's maybe a bit more hops than they let on, but it's really good. But I guess my question, and I think you already answered this, is not, you're not getting an overall, like an overly, like, uh, sprucey, for lack of a better word, taste. It doesn't taste like pine trees, but it tastes like pine trees complementing hops and pale ale flavors. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's subtle, uh, if anything. I think it's subtler than, I mean, for the most part, Dogfish Head's other 
IPAs have a very citrus flavor. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. think this one, it, this one, it's very light. Uh, I don't know. It's got a nice spice profile, very light malt. It's. I'm All really right. surprised at how much I'm enjoying it. Well, I think I could even drink like two or three of these. Well, you you know what? That That's way. an endorsement in my book. I'm gonna have to go back to the art and uh, hot pick up a four. Maybe pack. the alcohol content's too high, but. No, 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 no. That's that's crazy talk. Um, I do think, though, we should take a quick break and introduce ourselves per my coworker Bianca's um, uh, recommendation. Um, I know we're going to throw that theme song in there, but my name's Hunter. Um, How are you? Nice to... Thank you for listening to our wonderful podcast. It means a lot to us. Maybe send us a postcard so we know that you're a real person. And next to me here is... Joshua Schwartz or Juicy Juice Juice Box, depending on who you ask. Uh, and really, I think it's just me is the only person that calls you that. So, well, that that being said, when I went to Gabe's house for Thanksgiving, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, his dad was like, "And are you Juice Box?" <laughs> it, it's great. still used in certain corners of uh, of the U.S. Yeah, it's kind of uh, like... Bardian Corner, certainly. It's kind of like a Matt Gouda so, situation. So maybe anyway. we should do a new introduction, being that, like, we're in Trump's America and a new sort of thing, just really quickly. So, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we met over a decade ago uh, at Bard, uh, became friends During the instantly. campus tour freshman year, I believe. We we lived together uh, end of junior year, and then in a big house senior year where we drink a lot of beer uh, that was fancy from a place called <coughs> halftime halftime um and yeah it's great not just there but yeah yeah but uh and uh we got really into beer and since then we've been talking beer and politics and hunter was an economics major i was a theater major but at the same time uh i spent a lot of time thinking about politics and environmental uh science specifically not to toot your horn, but I think that uh, you exhibit qualities in both of those categories, theater and, like, political thought or whatever. Whatever we're the fuck we're doing, just getting That being said, I have absolutely no expertise, so don't, uh, don't trust what I have to say. I'm well, going to reference Wikipedia a lot in this conversation. Well, yeah, I don't have any expertise either, of. so that's a bit of a, you know, a bit of an issue. And neither Can I drum? Of us do. It's all right. Yeah, well... Uh, maybe we'll bring on some people this year that have some expertise because I'd, I'd like to we think, know we're lacking. No, I'd like to think that one of our um, kind of like the things we're really good at is that we bring a very fresh narrative to any situation that is not mirrored or tarred and feathered with knowledge. It's simple. It's True. pure. It's True. reactionary, you know? So, so welcome to Henry and Hops. Yep. Anyway, uh, let's let's review really quickly other beers we've had. We just to for our listeners who are there, all twenty of them. Twenty? Um, the really? GOT, no, who knows? I'm just guessing. No, dude. The, two people that the, I know for sure listened to our last episode. It was like <laughs> the happiest moment of my podcasting life. It was pretty incredible. Thank you, Bianca, and thank you, Macuda. There's your shout out. Yeah. Maybe we'll get another one if you're lucky. All right, moving on. So. So the Ga- Game of Thrones beer review uh, that I wanted to fill in, it was actually pretty good. Uh, one of the better ones. Again, they're more for novelty than anything else, but I give that one four houses. It's a solid triple. There's nothing particularly special about it, but it's as good as any uh, triple that Omegong's made. 
Yeah, uh, you were excited about it because it was going to be a triple. I remember that from the last episode. Um, so it, it was good, not crazy, but good. Yeah, it was just like it was really it was it was very solid. I just can't say there's anything particularly unique about it that was different than other triples that I've had. It's just you know, very good. What would you compare uh, compare it to closest? I was actually thinking Cerberus, oddly enough, but uh, who? That's no longer around. Cerberus, do you remember? It was the uh, flying dog one. I think that's the name of the uh, dog outside of hell with the three heads. Oh, oh no! I don't. I, I, I think I vaguely remember like this beer in, in theory, but I don't remember what it tastes like. But I love everything Flying Dog does, so I'm sure it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, they don't make it anymore. Anyway, uh, what was Tap Seventy Nine? You wrote this down. Uh, we have notes this time, guys. Yeah, and we shared them using Google Docs technology. All right, we we got to speed this up. Though. Okay, really quick. So uh, Tap Seventy Nine is I wanted to talk about kind of the politics around outsourcing uh, in-house, or not even in-house, but proprietary brands to existing breweries. So Trader Joe's, if you go into the beer aisle at at any Trader Joe's, they have this new brand uh, called Tap 79, and they make a double IPA, it's 8%, and they sell six packs and cans for like, I think, honestly, six or seven dollars. I think it's 6.99. Yeah. I believe it. I believe it. And it's pretty fucking decent, honestly. And I was drinking it and last night, and I was like, wait, who? Like, what is going on? And so I did a little research, and it turns out that uh, Firestone Walker is getting so popular in their own right with their um, their uh, pale ale and their, what is it, like 805 or mm-hmm. 406. Mm-hmm. Or so it was, is it a Firestone Walker beer? So it used to be, because they do all the Mission Street line, right? Right, which, right, which right. I didn't realize. Um, and apparently, since their own proprietary brands are getting so popular, they need to devote 100% of their brewing capacity to in-house brands, which makes sense. So what's happening is that they have basically, from what I read, um, like kind of closed that partnership for now with Trader Joe's. So Trader Joe's was looking elsewhere, and the Tap 79 brand, turns out, is from... Golden Road, which is an L.A. brewery, like craft brewer. And um, when I heard that, it made more sense that the beer was, like, pretty good because they're a pretty good brewery. Like, they're decent. And they make several different IPAs, and they're all in cans. And, uh, you know, Trader Joe's is based out of Monrovia, which is in the L.A. area. That They're kind of from the L.A. area, I believe. Um and so it just makes sense. And so basically I got like a, I drastically underpaid for this IPA because if it was branded as Golden Road, it would have been probably fucking 15 bucks, right? Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, I actually weirdly drank some Firestone Walker over Thanksgiving because it was one of the best deals I could find at the uh, beer place. I was going to get some local beer, but I decided on that. And uh, it all kind of tasted the same. It was good. I uh in terms of its hop profiles, but they were all very similar. Not a lot of uh, distinct characteristics between the different ales that I tried, at least in the pack that I got. Variety pack. Anyway. Yeah, I figured you got variety if you were able to try a bunch. Anyhow, all right, all right, let's but, move on. But what did you drink? What did you drink at Thanksgiving? Just out of curiosity, because that's where we're going next to Thanksgiving. Oh, um, 
Oh, this is a thanks to Russell and Anna for hosting us for Thanksgiving, so thank you guys. I guess I'll send you this podcast when Juicebox edits it. Makes my voice sound more manly. Thanks, dude. Um, and I'll thankful, be, hopefully. Uh, Russell got, uh, and thankful. Yeah, and more thankful. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, Russell got uh, some Kennebec Brewing Company uh, IPAs, and they were very good. Uh, very, they were like, they were, v- no, no, they were very good. Um, and, uh, I enjoyed those. I had a few, I, I wasn't trying to drink too much, mainly because I, you know, it was a lot of people, but also there was a lot of room in my stomach that needed to be reserved for food. So, yeah, I had a couple beers, but really focused on the plethora of food. And it was funny because my favorite dish was this green bean dish, man, with like creamy, creamy cheese sauce and... Like, like a little onions? bit onions. I think onions and bacon, like some yeah. pork. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I had that. My mom made some. My mom. My mom made like a green bean casserole, is similar to that. Really? That was like uh, yeah. revelatory. But I, I liked it. We had a good baked zucchini, and we had ham and turkey, which was crazy. Yeah, I, we were. Yeah, we had two turkeys, but I thought that there was. Going but to again, be a prime again, rib, but too much. Too much food, and I feel a little bad about it, especially with everything that's going on in the uh, world right now. And, uh, uh, like, we, I mean, what are we celebrating on Thanksgiving, really? Some fucked up shit. It's like, yeah, because, like, it's not like we, like, really shared and developed things with the native population as we like to believe every Thanksgiving. Uh, I mean, it was more a holiday that I think, I think Lincoln added it. I'm sure I'll... I didn't edit about how this was done, but a bit of quick Wikipedia research. Thanksgiving was originated as a harvest festival. It was started nationally after 1789 when a proclamation by George Washington took effect. It has been celebrated as a federal holiday since 1863 when, during the Civil War, President Lincoln proclaimed a national holiday for Thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent father or God as a way of uniting a divided nation. Uh, I think Thanksgiving was added because they needed more national holidays, but uh, it still feels like kind of a cheap holiday, uh, and especially with everything that's going on in the world right now. When was it added uh, as a national holiday? I didn't look I, into I that. I believe in the like, 1860s as a way to unite America. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly. I, th- I, I b- believe, though, it was the eight, late 1800s. We'll get back to that. Okay. Uh, let's. Uh, we we also don't really have time today to discuss NDAPL because uh, it's it's really uh, sad and complicated issue, and uh, we may get back to that in a later environmental episode. Um. Have you ever wanted to buy land in or around New York City? Well, now might be the perfect time. Real estate is booming in this country, and you've got to invest before the bubble bursts. I think it would be the opposite being told to ignore that. Never mind. We've got a sweet little island for you. It's within rowing distance of New Jersey, has a rich treasure trove of American history, and offers incredible skyline views of New York City. 
There is one minor catch. You have to take this old rusted statue with it. It's not that big, very green. It's got some dumb motto scratched into it, something about poor and tired people. I don't know, it's not important anymore, but it's a great site for condo development. The island's going for $100 million or best offer. Sale starts tomorrow. And check back next week when we've got this awesome transit structure for sale somewhere near Manhattan. Great for bike riding, I'm told. More details coming soon. That's what I was reading, but let's get let's move on because, like okay. I said, uh, we can't afford to talk about that today. But at the same time, um, we're thinking about we it. have a lot to say on that. Yeah, and uh, I I sent a care package out. Okay, what's next? Uh, why? Uh, so you said at the end of the last episode, and I think this is a big part of of Thanksgiving because, like, you know, Thanksgiving is all about us coming over to the native population, which which proves that what you said is true that we are. An immigrant nation, right? Correct. Um, like, it, no matter who you are in this country, if you go back 350 years, you came from someplace else. Yep. Uh, and uh, unless you're Native American, it's just a question of like, yeah, most uh, most of the people who claim that they are like Americans, the the white America, uh, yeah. as referred to them, are like European ancestry. But that doesn't really make them more American, uh, especially in the way this ca- country was founded. Uh, and Agreed. I think, and I think, like uh, we were talking about earlier in this episode, or were we talking about that off-air? That was off-air, but that's fine. I love Hamilton now for some reason. Sarah, you got me. That's my wife, and she fucking finally yeah. got me to listen to it, and it's amazing. Yeah, but he's a, he was an immigrant. Of course. Uh, that, but, but he was who, a who white still immigrant. Const- Yes, yes, but from a uh, Caribbean country, nonetheless. Uh, but if listen, if he was not white, he, he ha- wouldn't have been. He couldn't have been friends with any of those dudes. Yeah, that's the sad truth, and uh, and that kind of like uh, brings us to this reality where where immigration is viewed as this thing that is the other rather than, like the people you know we we have immigration statistics because we have people that are coming in as documented people uh compared to the internal population which is the citizenry right theoretically compared and what what do you mean compared like more less no i'm i'm just saying like at some point probably around uh 1840s again uh, that that uh, that we started bringing in immigrants as a documented population, uh, rather than just like off the books people are arriving, going wherever they please, do, uh, just taking land. Are you saying that's and, where our uh, documentation starts? Because that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying like once once we become like a uh, a nation as a whole, uh, and start racking up land and realize there are borders on the. Uh, the western side that's when we kind of like hit the end you know well i mean immigrants were coming before that even even before we got to california right like i mean by definition everyone was immigrants yeah Yeah. and i guess uh that's what we should talk about is like how has immigration changed over time um and uh you had you had some stuff from the uh, dhs here you want to talk about that yeah, I dropped a few uh, little graphs, little graphics. Maybe we'll post this on the Facebook and the uh, 
the internet in general. But basically, what's really interesting is that um, right now, as a percentage of the overall population, um, we're not even at a high, the highest immigrant level at all. Um, and that's generally, that's legal immigrants, that's, uh, there's a caveat, and I'll pop it on the website, but basically, um, between the years, and they, like Josh, you said, like, they only really started to keep track in the mid to early 18, 1800s, so we only have reliable data back to about 1830, and between 18, mm-hmm. 1860 and 1920 or so, um, we consistently were on par or more with percentage immigrants um, as the population. It's right around 15%, between uh, uh, 14 and 15%. So that's just like one stat to throw out there. And I mean, I don't think, first of all, like I think that to the extent that we, well, not our audience per se, but those, like. But those are the very, those are very early days, right? Because like. For example, in the modern century, I think 1910 to and the 1920s were considered like higher immigration periods, and and those periods were like especially in the you know the tens, was the the highest spike at least in in uh, population if you look at like charts and uh, and so like if you have nine million in like 1910 as a proportion of 92 million of population, that's like one out of ten, whereas like in the recent decade it was 13 million. Uh, or 14 by the highest, and then that's out of 300 million people, that's like uh, 4%, you know? Maybe Well, exactly. If you look at it, proportion of population, it's nothing. The recent... Yeah, even if you include the illegal immigrants as, like, in terms of the largest population that people would be scared were entering. Right. You have a smaller percentage than that period. But, okay, the other thing that, obviously, in and I'm not sure if you want to jump to this, we can also jump back, in, um, you know, in immigration policy and the conversation surrounding it is, of course, the idea of terrorism, right? And that was uh, the whole idea that implicitly we need to uh, shut down or certainly severely increase our processes as related to immigration, which will then reduce terrorism, Right. Yeah, well, that's, I think, even a more modern phenomenon, and that comes along with, like, the concept of refugees and modern warfare, and, uh, uh, you know, that's, before we get into that, let's cut to commercial. Why, hello there again. It has been truly wonderful the last couple months since I last spoke on these wonderful sonic waves here about how Trump was ushering in the new era, really, I don't think that's too big to say, of overt racism. Like I mentioned back then, he was really bringing to the forefront all these ideas that we bottle up deep inside and trying really hard not to say out loud. But you know what? As I said, it's cool now. And guess what, guys? It's even cooler now. He's the president. Oh my goodness. So today, I'd like to formally announce our new kind of marketing campaign for America. Um, Never thought I'd really be able to unveil this, but I've been thinking about it a long time because we do want to open up America for business. Guess what? You have to be American. So everybody come on in. We're gonna take down taxes. We're gonna build up walls. 
and it's gonna just be great again. So you're all welcome, American citizens, other American citizens, and American citizens. So please stay out if you're not too late, you lost your chance, Obama's about to leave, and here's to the new American century. Cheers. Yep, I'm back, and I'm on the uh, mic. All right, like a, like so a DJ. can we talk a little bit about uh, immigrants and refugees for a second? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so, like, I I personally was just thinking about this when we were talking about this, but I think a copy of a refugee is a ra- rather new concept, even newer than an immigrant, right? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure that refugee has an ancient connotation in some contexts, but in general, I think yeah, we- in the in the modern discourse... Or, like, Western society? Okay, sure. Without research, it's backing me up. I'm going to say yes. Well, let me give you some Wikipedia research. My uh, favorite so kind. When Thank I you. looked into it today, I, uh, I found that uh, the term uh, dates back to 1600s France. But refugee. The, uh, the actual, the modern understanding of a refugee comes from uh, 1914 in World War One, when it was thought of one fleeing home. Uh, and then the UN in 1951, following World War One and World War Two, adopted a definition of refugee, which I think is really when we can say the modern connotations of refugee come in because there's a world uh, agreement that, that that people need help in these situations. Um, okay. Yeah. This I can, is, I can this abide is, by that. This is a uh, refugee uh, definition. Is that all right? Please. Um, <clears throat> Owing to well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership of a particular social group or political opinion, is outside the country of his nationality and is unable or owing to such fears unwilling to avail himself of the protection of that country or who, not having a nationality and being outside of the country of his formal habitual residence as a result of such events is unable, owing to fear, is unwilling to return to it. And then in 1967, this was amended to include people who were displaced by violence in other places than their home country. A little more broad. Yeah. But essentially, the, the, this is meant to include anyone who is under severe persecution uh, for any reason. Um, and yet, I would say we, we certainly don't actually act on that uh, word of law, right? Well, it's not codified in law necessarily, though, is it? So we have we have made an agreement to to protect refugees theoretically uh, at the refugee through what ag- what what agreement? I believe the Refugee Convention of nineteen fifty one. Oh, okay. Does that? But does that? Um, I was kind of you know listening to you, but, but not that much. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm an asshole. But that's a that's a UN convention, so like everything else, it's it's so a, like if you're part of UN, based you're, it's on the kind presidency. of binding. Not well, binding, it's binding, but it's like the, true. Yeah, yeah, but again, then again, uh, we we sign a lot of paperwork that doesn't come true based on the presidential whims of the next president. We're a rotating democracy. We don't have a consistent. Yeah, uh, like waterboarding policy. is probably you know I think that's in the UN charter. Uh, that's yeah yeah, yeah a little a little off subject from immigration but very true yeah 
All right, so um, so let's talk about uh, with waterboarding immigration ties with terrorism. As terrible as that a transition as that is, because uh, we shouldn't certainly shouldn't be waterboarding people. Well, uh, did a bit of research, and um, actually, it's hilarious how easy you can do like literally the most laziest version of of research, which is Google. I mean, Google's also if you. That's not true, but, like, if you can do, like, five minutes of Google research, and actually on this topic, all the data points out that, statistically speaking, actually, immigrants, including, even including those that are naturalized U.S. citizens but were not born in the U.S., statistically speaking, are far less likely to commit acts of terrorism domestically. And out of, like, every... And a lot of it comes down to also, not a lot of it in terms of my thesis, but a lot of it in the general conversation comes down to how you define terrorism, right? And so, for instance, uh, I believe what, and I hate to glorify the people so names are shitty, but like Dylan Roof or whatever was a guy, the the white kid yeah. in the black church, right? He shot up the church, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like, technically he wasn't even charged, I and you can correct me, please, if, if I'm wrong, but I just was reading about this. It was uh, not necessarily a hate crime, right? Which is obviously... Or sorry, no, no. It was a hate crime, not an act of terrorism, right? So yep, yep. that's, you know, that's and, a gray area, but I would disagree. I and and getting into uh, the new uh, Ohio State attack, which I don't know if we should, how much we should talk about, but that was a, uh, a knife attack that injured 11 and theoretically... Uh, no one has died yet, although one is in critical condition. Besides the, uh, the and, and that And that will definitely be classified as an act of terrorism because it's uh, being claimed by ISIS and he was a radicalized. Is ISIS claiming? Uh, yeah, they did at this point. We, yeah. don't, we shouldn't talk about it, but I do want to mention the fact that uh, with, with Trump, uh, now that we're in Trump's America, which is really what, what this is all about, um, we need to consider the possibility that Trump will again bring back the idea of a Muslim ban uh, on immigration and we should consider the constitutional ramifications of such an act uh, discriminating specifically on religion. Well, I feel like uh, it's completely unconstitutional, right? Oh, 100%. And, and morally repugnant. And I, and I hope everyone out there who's listening to this all, you know, whatever people. It's three, uh, Josh. It's uh, fucking uh, three uh, people. Uh, well, whatever, whoever you are, I hope you're willing to uh, stand up and fight for that <laughs> at least, because I know that's something that we that's that that is the line between you know us being in a Reagan Nixon state and being like in a Hitler esque state. Like we are, that is us breaking the Constitution blatantly and openly, and uh, we're 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 moving backwards as society if we do something like that. I just want to put that out there. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know what, I, I agree with you, and I hope that these tapes serve as, if nothing else, documentation, and I'm getting very lofty, but we're going to put them in a time capsule so the aliens can know that at least we, uh, try a little bit, you know, that you said something yeah. eloquent about Trump being shitty, and that was before he blew the world up and aliens found our time capsule. So Wow, that's, that's huge. Uh, so, uh, this <laughs> Sorry, is coming too from two, pri- privi- two privileged white guys. Uh, so we're going <laughs> to cut in a little bit to an interview with somebody else who's, who's 
not a privileged white person. No, but I, I think yeah. that we're, as long as we, like, continually recognize our shittiness and and deficiency and, and perspective, it's not, like, good, but it's better than if we didn't, right? Well, let's, let's talk about that, because... Uh, I think that's I think that's where we need to end off before we cut to this interview is we need to talk about what what we should do about immigration because uh, yeah you know the idea of Ill- illegal immigration and the idea of immigration in general is based on a concept of borders and nationality so let's start at the very base of the issue how do you feel about borders not great uh, I <laughs> I'm, yeah. Just yeah, I'm just kidding I'm feelings. mostly joking do you want no, well, no go ahead. Well, this is my feeling about borders. I think in a lot of ways, uh, it, it would be nice if we could live in a entirely globalized society. But I think at this point, it's rather unrealistic with the way humanity is. I think we can evolve to that of course. point, possibly. Yeah, socially. yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I was mostly but like the social kidding. consciousness is very okay. divided at this point. No, no, no. But I think I think it is. I I really do feel like uh, you know there are a lot of people out there who believe that we shouldn't have borders, and I I'm with them in spirit. But I I just don't think it's a realistic concept right now for how people view the world and totally. how you trade and economics and you know the whole kit and caboodle is is, is well no like the whole concept of like it's funny because. If you think of where we are socio-politically and economically, there's talking about eliminating the concept of borders is obviously like hilarious in the in the context of reality. And I don't think you were suggesting that nor was I, but it's kind of funny just because like nearly everything that the global economy and social construct um, relies on is defined by borders, right? Even when it comes down to, like, cultural traits or um, almost unquantifiable... Uh, what's that French word? Like, well, besides je ne sais quoi, but, like, milieu. Like, just, like, the feeling... I'm probably grossly mispronouncing that. And no, 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 you, you're, you're exactly right. I, I think that... Uh, mil, mil mispronunciation you. or not... Uh, Mel- I think that your Mel- point is correct. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, even down to the accents and the music and the art, I think uh, we we uh, we are defined a bit by our borders. And and so okay, so let's assume that right now we have. But they're not necessarily policy. state borders, well, right? Like they could be other okay. types of borders, like cultural yes, but, okay, borders. Okay, so 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 we also obviously as uh, liberals, uh, progressives, don't want a wall. Uh, we, we don't believe in actual walls. We believe in, you know, uh, d- uh, diplomatic borders, right? Well, okay, are you talking about a wall with Mexico? So Hunter's about to go on a little rant here. In order to save everybody time and energy, we're just going to cut it down and speed it up. You can thank me later. Yeah, but uh, it could be a wall with Canada, too. Who knows? Well, okay, well, like, all these talks of walls are hilarious. Like, it's and not hilarious in a funny way, but just hilarious in a really sad way, because, like... Are you fucking kidding me? Like, can we be, can we be real for a fucking second? Like, obviously... It's just a waste of money, number one. No, well, number one, yes. Number two, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever fucking heard in my entire life. <laughs> like, then, yeah, sure, build a fucking wall with Mexico. Why don't you build a wall around, uh, like, Hawaii to make sure that stays out of, like... Oh, yeah. Uh. Oh my yeah. god, that's a bad well, example. We, Juicebox, please edit that out of this, alright? That was <laughs> no, horrible. No, nope, that was bad. I, want, I don't want that on the record. Um, but like... 
This whole, I mean, I've never, like, let me be clear. It's absolutely ridiculous and stupid. I don't have time. So, moving uh, on from the wall, uh, immigration in general. So, do you think that we should grant illegal immigrants uh, citizenship, and how do you think we should go about it, if so? Okay, so... I know I'm, that we can't... We don't have time for complicated answers, so this is going to be a very generic, uh, stupid overview. Go. Well, I didn't even think about this in prepping for this episode, which is a new thing in general, prepping for podcasting. Uh, so, you know, um, okay, let me think about it for a second. Okay, so here's here's my thoughts. I think it's hard to um, realistically just give citizenship to everyone. And also, like, politically, that's going to be a fucking shit show and never going to pass anyhow. So you probably have to think about what's uh, sorry, uh, politically feasible, right? And I think that is... Well, these days, I have no fucking clue, actually. Because Trump and Trump well, I think and I th- Republicans means it, it's a whole, it's a brave new world, so to speak. Thanks, Aldis. Go ahead. Well, I think we should extend citizenship to anyone who's willing to take the, not necessarily the standard bearers of citizenship, but the usual uh, commendations of, like, taxes and job fees and, and who already has a job at least should get citizenship automatically. Now, the people who don't have jobs who are here, uh, I think are in a much more complicated situation, and and we need to kind of... Uh, that, that, I, don't, I don't know... I, that's, like, the thing is I don't know what to do. And that's, and that's the situation we're in right now is, like, I feel like we need to have comprehensive immigration policy across the board about both how many... You know, what, what we're defining as legal immigration, what we're defining as our limit of refugees, if we're limiting refugees in, in situations of genocide and horrible warfare, uh, which it seems like we're doing, uh, what, what we are willing to limit those things to morally, I guess. I, it, 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 we're in a complicated situation in a global world uh, in, in immigration, and I don't know that we have the right answers, but I think the answer is more complicated than what Trump is proposing and what, uh, and what most Americans are willing to consider for immigration. Uh, well, yeah, I agree, but what, do you, like, what is he even proposing, Right. Nothing yet, and uh, and that's and but I but even through his Twitter comments about illegal pe- immigrants uh, imposing on the election, uh, I think that Trump is stoking fear for something. So we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, my general like viewpoint certainly aligns with what you were saying, and I do think that if you came to this country, certainly as a young person with your parents like if you were brought into this country and uh, no and nothing if you were brought like why that's not your choice right and I do believe that those people deserve citizenship and what's really interesting actually I think is to look at and this is something that we didn't really prep before the episode maybe this is for like a little 
Remember last time, kind of a segment next episode, but like looking at the economic contribution of undocumented immigrants. And one might think like primarily that it would focus on farming and agriculture, which is certainly not wrong. But also what people don't realize is that there's so many second generation, well, they're first generation, sorry, but brought to here by at, at very young ages that are like fucking doctors and going to med school and that's the same thing. Uh, and going to veterinarian school and going to law school and, you know, going to fucking getting MBAs. Yeah, being our scientific engineers money. who are going to actually change the yeah. economy for the better. These are our uh, Correct. innovators. This is our possibility of, of changing what yeah. we have because otherwise we're just going with the culture that we have and the ideas that we have and the people that we have. And they happen to be illegal, but it's like... They've gotten this far, and they've done so, like, in spite of the fact of being kind of battling that denomination at every level, and it's, like, bullshit, you know? Like, if we're not encouraging this, then what the fuck are we doing as a country? All right, so we're going to cut to the interview now, but uh, we'll we'll update you at the end of the interview about our thoughts, and uh, at the same time, we'll put some stats up on the blog at least uh about immigration at least the ones we could find and hopefully people will write in with more information because i'm sure this is going to be a controversial topic on both sides of the uh equation uh yeah from our deep fan base so we welcome your comments we know you're out there yeah macuda what do you got to say all right yeah macuda uh Peace out for now. Here's the interview, and uh, we'll we'll do the review uh, at a later date. Cheers. How are you? I'm good. Cool. Um, so we're here to talk about immigration today. Um, so if you're comfortable sharing it, uh, what is your immigration status right now? So I am currently a documented worker. Um, I just got my visa done a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And are you uh, are you happy with your immigration status as it stands? Uh, do you want to become an American citizen, or, or are you happy to have a work visa right now? No, ideally, I'd like to have a green card. Um, just a bit of context, the visa category that I'm on is pretty limited. So even though I have to prove really hard that I, that I deserve this visa and I deserve to work in the United States... Even within my own field of industry, there's a lot, um, like I couldn't, I can't be in a union, for example. There are companies that want to hire me just solely because of my status, because they would get penalized for hiring me. If, even though I had to go through the whole process of proving that I am good enough. So um, having a green card would actually just make the whole process a lot easier, make the playing field a lot easier, because then companies wouldn't be penalized just for hiring me. What kind of unions can't you join with a uh, work visa, and why uh, is it is it because of taxation or because of? Uh, no, it's just a law. Um, so I'm currently what you call an O one artist visa, and I'm an actor, so I could be in SAG, but I can't be in equity, so I can't do a lot of theater shows. A lot of um, a lot of TV networks specifically wouldn't hire um, my my specific visa. 
just because. Do you know why that is, or is that is that just generic regu- regulation across yeah, the board? Yeah, no. There are specific union laws um, where you're not allowed to hire an O-1 visa worker because they want to preserve jobs for green card holders and American citizens. Also, oh. there's an extra layer of paperwork and taxation that they have to pay um, for people in the O-1 visa. So it's just an unnecessary hassle for them that they're not willing to go through. So even right. though immigrants like myself um, worked really hard to get our visa, we are still being penalized by the system where they make it really hard or totally outright ban people from hiring us. Oh, that's that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually didn't know about that part, so that's uh, that's really interesting. Um, do you see any obstacles in your way of getting a green card? Like, what is the biggest uh, hurdle you have to overcome to get there still? Right. So, there's a specific category of the green... There are many different ways you can obtain a green card. And one way that you can obtain a green card is called the EB-1 visa, where you prove that you're extraordinary. And that's how a lot of my mentors in this field have gotten their visa. It's tedious because you have to collect a lot of information you have to constantly be keeping a portfolio of whatever work you do so you can prove on paper and in photo that you have achieved things that you say you achieve um in terms of obstacles i think the hardest part being in my field is that then you're automatically just drawn towards doing work that is flashy and showy and looks good on your resume and not necessarily things that you're interested in pursuing so I wish I could have, I wish I could have the pressure off of me where I could just focus on my art and my career instead of constantly just doing little projects to accumulate stuff for my resume. Yeah, uh, is, so is it like an kind of an audition process for being a, a green card citizen, or is there like some sort of legal limit you have to hit of, of how many work hours you have and things like that? Um, both ways. So when you're on your visa, you have to be earning a certain amount of income. And you have to pay mm. a certain amount of taxes. And then when you're applying for the visa, it is kind of like an audition process where you need to have... So there are all these different categories that you have to tick off on. Um, it's, it's a very slow, tedious, and expensive process. What people don't know is that it's actually a dual process to apply for your visa. You submit it once to what you call the USCIS, where they're in charge of immigration services and visa approvals in the United States. Once you're approved by them, you have to go back to an embassy in your local country, go through a visa appointment, and then get your visa stamped. So it's a dual interview process where at any point you could get rejected. So even if, say, USCIS has approved me, I would still have to go back to an embassy and get approved again, and I could be rejected at that point, despite having paid and gone through the whole ordeal. And and you said it was expensive. How much does that cost? On average, it could be anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars. Jesus, that's ridiculous. Okay, <laughs> so you could spend years just getting ready for that process and then be rejected halfway through. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's that's a scary possibility. Um, so I guess as a sort of generic question, uh, do you feel like, like as somebody who's uh, who's uh, trying to be a citizen of multiple countries right right uh, do you feel like we should have borders and and 
what do you, what do you do you have any like generic thoughts on immigration policy, world immigration policy at this point? I know that's a large loaded question. I've been thinking a lot about that. Especially because I come from a country where we also have very relaxed immigration control. And I personally don't think that your opportunities should be limited or if you should be entitled to opportunities just because of where you happen to be born. That is such an arbitrary detail for me. But I do understand that in times of economic difficulty, when there isn't as much to share around, it can seem like people are coming to your house and stealing from you instead of seeing that they're contributing to your home. And I think it's important when you're addressing people who are scared of immigrants, I think it's important to hear them. I think it's important to listen to their fears and acknowledge their fears instead of just, you know, sitting in our homes and criticizing people for being racist and xenophobic and just throwing out big terms without listening to them and hearing where their fears are coming from and then educating them out of those fears. That's like, that's just the main flaw with liberalism. I think we tend to just coach everything and a moral black and white and if you're if you don't agree with me then automatically you're a bad person and i don't think that's helpful in any way yeah no i i, I couldn't agree more and and we we talked about that a bit on our podcast um we just it, it i i agree there's there's a lot of ground to cover in terms of education more than anything and i feel like the condescension that the liberal especially neoliberalism carries with it is is not helpful in that conversation yeah Okay, and uh, so that's that's almost everything. Uh, just one final question, because uh, we've now retitled our podcast uh, after Trump's America, because uh, that's kind of the reality we're facing at this point. Uh, what are your opinions on Trump? <laughs> Ooh, I really dislike him. And I, it's not just because I'm an immigrant woman. I'm also a person of color. Right. <laughs> just the immediate reaction that this man could be elected on a platform of hate it just made me incredibly, I just felt so defeated. I felt so defeated as a person. And I think what people don't realize is that for a lot of people of color, this is, this is a struggle that we have within us where it's, okay, I want to fight for my rights. I want to fight to be acknowledged. And also just a secret desire. I wish I were white, then my life could be so much easier. And that was my immediate reaction. I was like, you know what? Sometimes I wish I, like... I could just be on the winning side because life would be so much easier where you didn't have to like continually struggle for your rights just because of the system. I'm not sure if I'm making sense. Like Trump is Trump no, no, that... a lot of visceral feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it does make sense. I, I feel like there's a lot of uh, white liberals who, who don't have to deal with the immediate consequences of a Trump presidency and myself included um, where you know, I'm contemplating whether or not we're going to end up in a Hitler fascist society. And that's kind of like the bad scenario where for me, it's an apocalyptically bad scenario for you and other people like you. It's a very simple, like Supreme Court change that's going to happen regardless of, of well, how the country progresses. So just speaking about the fascism thing, I thought a lot about that. And I thought a lot about how, you know, the immigrant and POC communities reacting very strongly to Trump's election with very hateful, divisive words also on our side. Mm -hmm. And for me, the apocalyptic scenario is if we continue to devolve into a society where now it becomes you versus me. 
and the only people you can trust are people of your uh, people who are in your shoes where we've become so mistrustful it's just so much hateful words and ultimately it's just one man for himself instead of uh, instead of a cosmopolitan society where everyone shares and unites that for me it's, a, it's an apocalyptic scenario which i think could happen because in times where it's economic uncertainty political instability the only person you can trust is someone who has a vested interest in your in your survival and that's usually someone who has the same goals and interests as you yeah yeah and we often don't want to communicate with each other we're in our private political matrices because it's simpler that way yeah well all right thank you so much and uh i hope everything works out with the green card well, thank you very much i mean i'm in a very privileged place someone told me to check my privilege where i am still a documented worker and i have a relatively comfortable home to go back to so i'm okay it's you know the people who are applying for asylum who don't have a place to go home to who are immediately faced with a hostile america just because of their skin color or their religion i think those are people who have a lot more at stake than i do yeah and those are the people that most need help too yeah all right um well thank you so much and uh talk to you soon great hello great interview bud that was good Hey, yeah, yeah, I think it went well. Uh, I thought it was really interesting how uh, balanced and nuanced, uh, you know, everyone's perspective on immigration is when you get down to it. Well, for most people, I guess, uh, who are really thinking about the topic. And uh, to hear, um, you know, a perspective that's not from somebody who's a white, white cis liberal is uh, important to us. And what I thought was actually very interesting was that um, it's a unique perspective in that it's a, and as, as she points out, and I think we can say she because she says that she's a female in the interview, um, she readily recognizes that being a legal, um, albeit currently temporary, not citizen visitor to the U.S. is a lot more privileged than those that are seeking asylum or that are fleeing way shittier lives um, to come to America illegally. Um, the fact that she is here currently illegally puts her in an inherently, like, way better place, but just listening to that interview, still really shitty. Yeah, and I don't think we understand, at least I didn't understand before doing that interview even, the exact financial cost of immigration. No, that was insane. The idea that you'd have to fly back to your home country uh, to go to that embassy and then you've already paid five thousand dollars and then you could fail like minimum partway through yeah the process yeah it's uh, insane that, yeah that that seems like an in, insane amount of financial cost and i wonder uh you know that doesn't exist for asylum seekers but i wonder how many citizen uh rights are dependent upon financial status well i thought the asylum seeker part was interesting because of our discussion of refugees mm-hmm. uh, i think that that is the the new uh, reality for a lot of immigration because so many p- countries are already restricting uh, civilian immigration. The most of the time we're talking about asylum seekers when we're talking about people who are either illegally or legally get, getting into this country. Uh, and it also seems like... We're running away from things. Yeah, and if you're not an asylum seeker, then you need to be like, to prove yourself as super exceptional. Like she was saying, like... Yeah. 
I am, you're, you need me in your country because I'm so amazing. You, you know, you like, so it's like, if you're someone that just wants to move here for whatever reason, that's really fucking hard. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But the idea that no, the idea that anybody can move here without earning their spot is just so absurdist based on the processes that we've already put into place. <clears throat> Wait, what do you mean? Um, I just meant like the what what we're talking about right now with the audition basically to become a citizen. Uh, yeah. You have to go through such investigative processes in terms of your work efforts that anybody who made it through uh, those rings and hoops uh, deserves to be here just on the work that they've done to get there, I would say. And they might not even get anyway. It. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, but I also thought it was very interesting, her perspective on the us versus them uh, liberalism, uh, the the idea that we are not confronting people who have legitimate issues, uh, despite maybe having racist tendencies, these people need to be listened to and, and talked to instead of talked down to, or talked with, I guess, instead of talked to. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I think the big thing for me, that my takeaway was that and this has been in the media and stuff, but just hearing it in this context was, for me, kind of eye-opening because I did kind of do a little gut check. And you think about the fact, and we've, we've talked about this before, but as much as maybe it's, like, against the, like, liberal, like, line, but, like, I mean, it's obvious. Whatever. Delete that juice box. Get that out of here. Um, what I'm saying, though, is that, like, people didn't vote. The majority of people that voted for Trump did not vote because they, like, hate black people or minorities in general. They voted, and I'm sure some people did. Don't get me wrong. Um, but most people voted, I think, the majority because they have seen their quality of life and their employment status generally get shittier over the last 20 years. And what really surprised me listening to um, some, you know, interviews after the election and looking at the stats was that a significant number of people that have voted for Obama, even the second term, uh, ended up going to Trump. And not to say you voted for Obama doesn't mean you're not a racist at all, but just that they voted Democratic, they voted somewhat liberal, they voted for a very different mindset, but they just were kind of like still screwed in their life, still either out of a job or n not nearly. And basically we're talking about like the large pool of skilled laborers, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And they want to change. And they want to change and they want it. They're pissed off with the, the, the current government structure, even though they voted for it. So yeah. they're like, well, change. And what well, I think we're going to continue to examine that as we record this year. I mean, that's going to be the big topic is, is both how Trump got here and, and, uh, you know, what we've learned from this election and, and what we can do moving forward. And uh, I think that's that's what our, you know, our goal is here is to talk about how, how to react, how we're reacting and how we can react in Trump's America. Yeah. And I think that we really have to take to heart those considerations, those uh, those ideas that perhaps the other is one of the main reasons why you don't have a job or you don't have the good, secure, 
kind of career job that used to, that was available to your father. I know a lot of people in Maine that grew up working in their parents had really good, well-paying jobs working at the paper mill. And basically, yeah, but I think we yeah. need to get to the reality that maybe some of those jobs aren't coming back. That those jobs didn't. No, they're not going to come back. They're not going to come back. Technology and to changes in society and. Anyway, that's a that's a further episode. But let's talk. Let's just uh, decompress for a second. I think we've talked enough serious stuff today. Okay. Um, anything yeah. interesting happening in your life recently that you want to share? Like anything cool? Um. Uh, did you just want to add really quickly at the end here? We don't really have a Henry and hip hops, but. Oh man, I wish I had thought about this because unequivocally, nothing is really cool in my life right now. But I mean, I, I'm a pretty cool guy. Um. <laughs> I'm in I'm in the throes of finals. Advertising for yourself. What's that? Advertising for yourself. Well That's good. Yeah, you know. I mean, doesn't hurt. It's my one Guys, my watch and listen to Hunter, especially on this podcast, but also elsewhere, wherever he may be available. I'm on uh I'm on uh, Instagram. It's my real name. <laughs> He's in San Francisco. You might run to him run into him on the street. You might see me in my neighborhood. I might be walking my dog, Lucy, who I'm, like, scratching. She's being really annoying right now. She's, like, all up in my jam and just trying to get some love. So, no, I'm in grad well, school. I'm, it's hard, dude. I'm almost done with yeah, the semester. Yeah, no, you can't really do a lot. You yeah. haven't even watched Westworld, which is the one thing I wanted to wrap at the end here. It's not, I, I have nothing to do with it. It's a... Did you a write it? Hollywood project. People... It's the biggest success for a first season in HBO history, so I, I they don't need my endorsement, trust me. But goddamn, was that ending good? Like, I love. I haven't. I'm like together. four episodes oh. back. I can't wait. It's it's so good, and it and it really you know there are there are minor flaws, just like in all Jonathan Nolan scripts. But I think it's it's one of his better works up there with like Memento and Dark Knight and stuff. So, really great. Uh, tonight I'm making some stew and beer bread. Specifically, I'm making a venison stew. With venison? And, Is uh, it home caught? Well, sort of. Uh, it's at least neighbor caught. Neighbor um, caught. Good. My, you know the cotter. Yeah, my, my dad's friend uh, killed a deer, and my dad had a deer, deal with him where he would give us some meat in exchange for, I think, hockey tickets that my dad's been giving him uh, on occasion. <laughs> So I wanted I wanted some of that meat because I've had this idea for a while that getting game meat, specifically venison, would be a way of getting out of the industrial food or specific meat complex. Yeah, totally. And I got my farms. And yeah, exactly that. And uh, well, I guess they're called ranches. Paid in more farm co-ops. Uh, I think those are ways of uh, getting in. Maybe maybe I'll start foraging. Dude, I, well no, let's leave that to Gabe. Henry and Ops. 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 <laughs> it's not. It's not safe, dog. Buy a better beer. Don't try to be a better human being. Okay. Hey, watch the wolf suit.